This is the Soulpreneur Lifestyle Podcast, your go-to place for creative ideas on how to run your business in a way that lights you up and gives you purpose, all in a way that still allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. And this episode is brought to you by the Floation.com Directory of Healers and Soulpreneurs. Imagine a resource where you can search for healers of all modalities to help guide you along your spiritual journey, or spiritual-minded professionals to help you with everyday life issues like your small business contracts and accounting. Wouldn't it be great to work with someone like-minded? Soulpreneurs of every profession, check out the Floation.com directory to learn how you can promote your business, products, or services on the directory to spiritual-minded people who are looking to work with you. Visit Floation.com today. That's F-L-O-W-A-T-I-O-N.com. A universe of opportunities awaits you. Hi, my name is Simran Bhatia, and I'm your host for season one of the Soulpreneur Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm excited to take you on a little journey throughout this year. I will be sharing my own insights that I have experienced as a small business attorney and a spiritual small business mentor doing one-on-one coaching, and I will also be interviewing lots of different soulpreneurs in different professions who are going to share the nitty gritty of how they do business, what kind of experiences they've had to get to where they are today. And I hope all of this is really valuable information for you. So come on, please join me. interview was with Janet Sandberg. She's an intuitive life coach who focuses on teaching people how to experience more joy. And we had a really wonderful discussion about how as spiritual minded people, especially as entrepreneurs, we get very fixated on, you know, the how and the why and the trying to get closure on our past and learn from it and grow instead of actually taking the shortcut, which is to focus on bringing more joy in our life and to be able to lift our vibration up so we can actually manifest the things that we really want in our life instead of staying stuck in what was and what prior has happened. So I really hope you enjoy this interview and are able to really pick up some wisdom from Janet on how to move forward and get past some of the situations that you Today's guest with us is Janet Sandberg, an intuitive life coach who is focused on bringing way more joy into your life. Thank you, Janet, for talking to me today. I'm very excited about this interview. Thanks for having me. This is really great. So I'm going to just jump off the deep end because you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about this. You have had quite the journey over the last six years in your business as figuring out how to run your business, what business to have, and as a soulpreneur, just what's connecting with you. Can you take us through your backstory a little bit? Uh, The business backstory? Yes. 
Um, sure. So it, the business started in, in kind of fits and starts. Um, I went to massage school, massage therapy, um, 2010. And so when I graduated, I was like, I'm going to start a business. And I had also done, done some energy healing training during that same time. So the natural start for me was massage therapy and Reiki. Um, and so I, I rented an office space and I was really excited and it was really great. And then we found out that we were moving. So <laughs> after oh, no. <laughs> of my brand new business, I had to shut everything down and move um, well, to a different country. We moved from Michigan in the United States to London in Canada, um, which is a couple of hours away. So, you know, totally fresh start. Um, and then I wanted to sort of start back up again, except that the regulations for doing massage therapy were very, very, very different here than they were in Michigan where I was trained. So I quickly realized that that was not going to fly here in Canada. So, um, so I said, well, that's fine. I'll just focus on the energy healing, which is what I like to do more anyways. Um, so I did that. And then uh, my sister passed away. So uh, business came to a halt again uh, for about a year, I think. It took me to sort of feel like I was myself enough again to be able to start um, taking on clients and, and helping them heal. You know, I had to be relatively healed myself before I could do that for other people. Um, so then I started back up again and I was doing just Reiki again. Um, and after that, so my sister had uh, breast cancer at the same time, my dad also had cancer um, and he had two different kinds. So I realized there was kind of uh, a bigger story. And with, with my healing background, I decided I would study holistic cancer practitioner training <laughs> um, and, and do that kind of work because I really wanted to help people who were looking for a holistic alternative to um, preventing cancer, to healing cancer, to, you know, accompanying their whatever other treatments they were doing. Like there was just so many other options than what I knew when my family was sick. Um, so I did that for a little while. Um, but I quickly learned that the people who are going through that really want to hear that information from somebody who's done it themselves. So the fact that I myself was not a survivor, um, kind of, it didn't negate the information that I was giving people, but it seemed to weigh less for people. Like the people in those situations just really wanted, um, you know, sort of from the horse's mouth, which I understand. Um, so I sort of soon decided that that was not, even though I was super passionate about it, it wasn't what, um, you know, what people were looking for. And in business, you know, you can do what you want, um, 
but if it doesn't resonate with people, then there's something missing. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I still have all the information and, you know, I'm able to, to help friends and family who, who want it. So it's, it's not wasted. It's not lost. Um, but it's not, um, it's not a part of my business practice anymore. Um, so I just sort of went back to the, the energy healing, which I was doing all along the same time. Um, and as I continued to use my gifts, um, they grew and expanded and developed. And um, I studied more, I learned more. And so I went from doing just sort of regular straight up Reiki to um, I developed my own method of energy healing that incorporates all of my gifts. Um, so I've learned over a dozen different methods of energy healing um, and I'm a medium and I'm intuitive. And so I, I, that all just comes together. I'm like, why am I restricting myself to this one method when I have all of these other things that I could bring into play? So, so that's what I started doing. And uh, I'm, I'm still doing that. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I've, I've tried sort of adding little bits and pieces. Um, people would sometimes ask for mediumship um, readings. And I started doing that for a little while, but I quickly realized that that was not something that I wanted to do for other people as a profession. <laughs> so, um, so I took that off the menu pretty quick. Um, and then um, I ended up sort of falling into a life coaching class and, or course, and all the best things happened to me by accident. So it, it just so happened that once I started doing it, I was like, oh my God, this is actually how I can bring all of what I'm doing together to help people. It's got pieces of the holistic cancer practitioner in there. It's got pieces of energy healing. It's got my own life experience and all of the, the things that I've gone through over the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, and I can bring it all together and just, you know, really help other people in the best possible way. So, yeah, and all of that took, yeah, like we said, six years to sort of evolve and grow and change and swirl around as I, as everything continues to grow. And that's the thing is that everything, you know, you as a person continue to grow and evolve. So it didn't make sense for my business not to do that with me. That is incredible. And there's so much to delve into there. Um, so many questions swirling around in my mind now <laughs> to, to dig into. Um, but let's start with the mediumship. I'm going to work backwards a little bit. You said it was a really clear message for you that you don't want to do this professionally. So what is it that you experienced? What did you feel? How did you get such a clear message about it? Um, so the first time I was asked to do a mediumship reading, 
was for um, a, a, a client who's a friend of a friend. So I knew her on a personal level as well as um, working with her. And she asked if I would, and I'd never done it before. And I was like, she's like, can you? And I said, well, I can, but like, <laughs> I, I, it, it had never honestly occurred to me to, to do a straight up mediumship reading for anybody. So I did one for her and the comfort that it brought her and the reassurance and the, the calm that came over her after the session by the, the conversation that we had and the messages that came through, um, I was like, wow. Like, this is really powerful stuff. And it never, because I have this gift, it never occurred to me that, you know, other people can't do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a really great thing that I could, I could help people, you know, do this. I'm all about helping people and being of service. So I was like, this is a really great thing. But when I started doing it, you know, for strangers, the motivation for the readings sometimes didn't align with me um, and there's a lot more to it sometimes I found people want mediumship readings because they're unwilling to let go of the person who passed on and and they're sort of you know and, and which just brought up like all this other stuff that where I could see that they needed more more help than what I could give them um, and that made me really uncomfortable. Um, and then, of course, there is the stigma around being a medium. And um, one of my payment processing companies shut down my account because it is not in their terms of service because it's considered fraudulent. Um, yeah, psychic and mediumship is considered fraudulent by most payment processors. So no one can see this, but my face just fell. I was like, wait, what do you mean it's fraudulent? Like, it's so legit. Yeah, it's but grouped into... I can't believe they would do that. Yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I That was not a battle that I really felt that I needed to face after, you know, like I said, having done some readings for people that kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I was like, this this is not all adding up to, and it was certainly not as, as joyous for me as that first session was. Um, so I decided that it wasn't something that I needed to offer as a service. What I found really interesting too, between what you had said about your cancer coaching work that people wanted to hear from the horse's mouth and then also this sort of semi-parallel here between like people have a desperation energy in why they're wanting the mediumship breeding as they can't let go. There's like a, they're so tied to the form in which the message comes through to them. And like they're wanting, you know, a very specific modality, a very specific message. They're, not maybe as open as what you had experienced with your first mediumship re reading. 
and simultaneously I was having this memory kind of come up. Um, my mom had also been diagnosed with uterine cancer quite some time back. And I remember taking her to a Reiki session um, when we were kind of mid chemo treatment and everything. And the lady herself who was doing it had been a cancer survivor for 30 years. Saying that I think, did that have anything to do with my own like sense of being relaxed with it? And, and saying, I mean, I already believed in all these modalities and so did my mom, but it was just, you know, like, did it make a difference that she had also survived and was here to talk about it and was now healing people versus someone who was really passionate about it. And, you know, I found myself having that little um, pinch in my head for a second of like, yeah, it probably had some like very small energetic influence on receptivity mm -hmm. and you have to be so receptive for energy to really actually heal you and everything and it is super interesting how you're coming through this that like you know you you came across one block after another like your physical location moving it is very hard to have a brick and mortar business if you're not there um and then you know, just coming across these situations where the universe was just like gently redirecting you again and again mm -hmm. to say, be, play big, right? And don't play small. And also, um, maybe this is like something that you know, but it's not where your biggest benefit or highest self is helping the most people. Because you said you are really wanting to be in service. And I can sense this even talking to your energy so clean about it that you do genuinely really want to help people. And so I think it's incredible. Um, touching on the payment processor thing, though, I want to go back to something you and I talked about very quickly before we started recording, was that you used to charge businesses. They were a legitimate business model for you as during the time that you were providing them. Yes. And that... So let's talk about that. Like how and why were you comfortable charging? Because as you and I talked about briefly, so many healers just hand away everything for free. And it's like as if they feel guilty that they have this gift and are not providing it at mass for free at a detriment to themselves. So what belief were you working from that allowed you to say, okay, I'm bringing something of value to the world? Um, I think partly it started because when I first started my business, I was offering massage therapy. And we had some business training, um, very, very minimal <laughs> business training um, at massage school, like how to get your business up and running kind of thing, few basic steps. Um, and it's a no-brainer. Obviously, massage therapists charge for what they do. It's, it's a profession. Um, and then so I was also offering Reiki. But I was charging for massage therapy, so why wouldn't I be charging for Reiki, right? Like, that they went hand in hand. Um, also, it's a business. You know, this was not a hobby. This was a business and I intended to make money doing what I love to do and what I'm able to do. So again, why wouldn't I be charging for it? And, 
you know, as, as my skills and abilities and gifts have grown and expanded, so has, have my rates, you know, it's, and, and now, like, I, I do all these things, and I've learned over time, like I said, with the medium shift, like, not everybody can do this, so why wouldn't I be charging for it? It, it makes less sense for healers to not charge than for, you know, I don't know, some hairdressers, you know, <laughs> like hairdressers go to school. Yes, they have a skill set, um, but it's no different than, than a healer's skill set. It's, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so. It's, you know, it's so interesting that you say this because at the same time, though, the outside world or society, like your payment processor, is sitting here and saying, oh, all these activities are fraudulent and they don't exist and they're not real skill sets because they're not tangible at all. You can't, even when you get, you know, energy healing, you're not seeing the energy shift. You have to be intuitive enough to experience the change and to be open to it. And so do you think that that has something to do with it? I mean, like you're coming from a mindset that you were just really clear, but that external um, invalidation that a lot of people receive, do you think it has something to do with them not feeling comfortable? Um, I'm sure it does. I'm, I think it also has to do with um, a lot of healers, energy healers, um, and people who work with energy. Um, they're very, be, because of what they do and because of, you know, how they are, the fact that they're able to work with energy makes them inherently very ungrounded. And which makes it difficult to navigate the world. Um, and I think that plays into it a lot um, because they've always felt so out of place in the world. Um, and they don't have the confidence to be like, this is a really awesome thing that I'm doing and I can help people. Like, because they just, they're, they're too floaty, I guess, to really, um, you know, be able to stand up for themselves. That's a really interesting um, perspective on it. And I think I, I would actually agree. Like, I didn't realize it until you said the word that they're not grounded. But I think there's also an element there of, like, they're using their entrepreneurial journey as part of their self-discovery process, which every healer is in a constant chronic state of self-discovery, I think. Yeah. And then a lot of them use that kind of ungrounded or self-discovery like mindset to preclude them themselves from feeling like they're ever stable and that they have something stable to offer. And so, you know, the way that society views money, it gets really complicated for them in their heads probably to say like, what is it that I'm actually 
offering because it changes. I'm sure even in your intuitive readings, um, as you grow and expand, what you offer grows and expands, but maybe not simultaneously at the same rate as what your actual rates would. Like there might be growth inside of you where you're offering more for a while before you realize, oh, I have up-leveled and now I need to charge more for the experience that I'm providing. Yeah. And so it's like a really weird shape-shifting kind of place is what I think. Um, so what would your advice be for somebody who is sort of similar to you where they're exploring different modalities, they are growing, they're expanding. How did they get to the spot where you are now six years later, where you're really aligned with your message, you are very clear with your purpose? What were the, the tools or the thought patterns that really helped you get there? Um, you know, well, like you said, you know, most healers are on their own healing journey. That's kind of a lot of us. That's how we get into this work is because we, we need it for ourselves. And then we train in whatever, um, we resonate with the most. Um, so yeah, continue with the healing, your own personal healing journey, um, is a big one because, you know, you have to, what's that saying? You know, you're, you're, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you, you have to make sure that you're taken care of so that you can be of service to other people. Um, and really work on those limiting beliefs that hold you back and recognize your expert status as, um, as a healer, as somebody who is there to, um, help other people and, you know, why, and, and be comfortable with accepting abundance in exchange for the health and vitality and joy and growth that you provide to other people. Um, and then also like if you're, if you're actually serious about having a business and not just a hobby that makes money, um, get a business coach, but make sure that it is a soulful business coach, somebody who understands all of this, um, you know, the intuitive side of things, the, um, the energetic side of things, um, I've, I've worked with a number of coaches over the years and the first few before I realized that this kind of a business is very, very different than, um, you know, sort of a, a regular brick and mortar um, product-based business or um, even other service-based businesses. Um, you know, you really need a business coach who is... Um, energetically inclined themselves to be able to help you, you know, grasp all of this other stuff that's going on. I love both pieces of advices, um, especially just, you know, that opening yourself up and everything, but also as a business coach myself, I can see the distinction, distinction myself between when I was coaching as a lawyer 
and the small business coaching was kind of a part of the package versus when I wrapped up that work and then just said exclusively, I'd prefer to work with spiritual minded entrepreneurs and the energy um, and the concepts and the discussion that occur with someone who is running a business similar to yours or who has a brick and mortar business, the traditional you know, business model, but they are approaching it from a spirituality based mindset or a, you know, they're concerned with what they're manifesting. And it's a total different game to be totally honest with what you're gonna actually discuss and what the strategy is. It's not necessarily about let's talk about your marketing plan exactly. It's more like, where are you vibrationally? Let's talk about what you're attracting to yourself. What is, you know, we're talking vibrational marketing, which we've brought up in the past in one of the podcast episodes. And it's a really different space mentally and emotionally and energetically to be working in. And so I wholeheartedly would endorse that, that you know what, if you need, help getting over it, go to someone who's an intuitive even, or go to someone who is helping you coach from the perspective of acknowledging and respecting the fact that you have a different type of business and that you're maybe not necessarily quote unquote mainstream, which is a good way to approach it. Um, so let me ask you this. In terms of, you said you, you focus on joy, mm -hmm. right? I'm kind of shifting gears here, but a lot of healers focus on, I'm going to help you remove your pain. They are not necessarily talking about the opposite experience, which is how to bring more joy into your life. And I will coach you in that direction. It's like, um, it reminds me of like, you know, the absence of light kind of situation where it's really like people focus very much on the removal and not so much on the moving forward, if that makes sense. So what, what brought you to a place where you are out there and you're stating, you know, I am intuitive and I'm going to give you readings and I'm going to add all these modalities in, but my focus is to bring you to a state of being where you're experiencing joy versus let's muck around again and again and again in what happened in the past and what you couldn't let go of. What, what brought you there? Um, well, my own, my own journey brought me there. Um, the, the last decade has been sort of one, one trauma after the other in my life. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been very challenging. And my coach, my business coach, um, a couple of years ago asked me, we were talking, I can't even remember how the subject came up or what we were talking about at the time, but she asked, she says, well, what brings you joy? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. <laughs> like I was in... <laughs> <laughs> You know, so much. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So much had happened and I was like barely functioning, let alone thinking about what brought joy to my life. Like it was just the 
craziest out there question that, and I honestly, like I said, like I didn't even understand the question. So I obviously couldn't even answer. I'm like, well, nothing, duh. <laughs> right, I feel joyful that I'm not having trauma right now. That right. was, you know, probably and, joy. And so it, it got me thinking and it made me really conscious of where I was at and the fact that, you know, the absence of trauma or the absence of, you know, things happening going on in your life is not the same thing as being in a good place. It's not the same as being joyful. No. So, you know, that kind of, I went down the rabbit, the, the joy rabbit hole at that point. And I was like, I got to figure this out, man. Because <laughs> like, Obviously there's a whole piece here that I've been missing out on. Um, so yeah, so it just started me um, learning more about joy and, you know, reading a lot about joy and what, as human beings, we experience as joy and how to create more of that and the importance of it. Like, you know, my, my whole life philosophy from going from, you know, nothing really terrible is happening right now, so that's okay, to being like, I need to actively seek out joy in order to really have the life that I want to live. So now, do you have a process? I'm going to ask something kind of logistical. Um, do you have a process for identity, identifying the limiting beliefs that are in your way of experiencing joy and then a process for finding out what actually brings you joy or is this all just totally intuitive? Um, well, it's different for every person, right? Like we all experience joy differently and the things that bring us joy are very different from person to person. Um, so it's, it's really a very sort of self-study self um, approach for a lot of it. Um, but after all of the, the work and the learning I've done, I can sort of guide people in the right directions and, and help them work through the steps of, of learning how to feel joy again. That was another big thing. Like I couldn't identify joy because I didn't know what it felt like anymore. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, pieces to the puzzle. Um, so, and, and the intuitive part is, is part of it, um, where I use my intuition, but a lot of it is me helping you tune into your intuition so that you can answer these questions because I can't always answer them for you. So now what about the person who is, you know, similar to what you experienced, um, either experiencing just, you know, trauma back to back, or they're a caregiver, you know, for a cancer patient, or they're a new parent, or they're in a life circumstance that, like, even despite maybe knowing what brings them joy, they don't have the time or location freedom to always pursue it what is your advice to, to them? How can they kind of modify 
what they're doing and bring joy in their lives. There's a lot of really easy ways, like, and, and I think that there's a disconnect also in our society as to what joy is, as opposed to what it really is. You know, we, I could go on for a long time. Um, <laughs> we're basically programmed as adults that joy is frivolous and unnecessary. Um, so then when we think about joy, we think about big things that are like acceptable, like going on vacation or, um, you know, renovating the house or, um, you know, buying big fancy things um, because those are sort of acceptable ways in Western society to allow yourself to feel joy when really there are so many little things that you can work into your everyday. Um, you know, things from like, uh, like adding more color to your space. Like North America is, you know, in love with beige and gray. And that does not help us feel joyful when we're, we're in these dull, boring spaces. So incorporating more color, incorporating, um, there's, there's a lot of design things that you can bring into your house that, that help you feel more joyful just because they're around you and you're looking at them all the time. Um, and things like, you know, yes, we all have chores to do, but you know, if you put on your favorite music, while you're washing the dishes or while you're folding the laundry or you listen to an awesome podcast while you're folding the laundry and sort of tag team your life by incorporating things that make you feel good into the things that you have to do anyway. It just slowly starts to shift and all of these things build upon each other. So if you had a kind of message for our audience about this, what would be your take on it? What exactly is your definition of joy? And does it require presence of mind in the moment? Or is it just something you can be passively experiencing? Aha, that's interesting. So joy by definition is what pulls you into the presence. So when you're experiencing joy, it's like when you talk about flow, like you're, you're in it, right? And right. You, the, the present moment just seems to stop. And it's, if you can do that thing forever and not get tired of it, that thing brings you joy, like by definition. Joy as a feeling most people, you know, if you think about, you know, at watching a two-year-old when you're blowing bubbles, like the the look that comes over their face and they jump up and down and they clap their hands and they squeal and all of those things, that's joy. That's pure. Like you can't contain joy in your body. It, it leaks out, <laughs> whether it's through squeals or claps or tears or, you know, it just, that's what happens when you're feeling joy. Um, and obviously it's not going to be that, extreme all the time and and as adults we suppress it a lot um but just noticing when you get that little flutter before you shut it down you know 
that's, that's sort of how it starts. And then allowing it to come and not shutting it down. So what would be your biggest tip for people on how not to suppress their joy? Uh, it's, well, it's a lot of practice. <laughs> it's a lot of practice. And at the beginning, it's a lot of just consciously observing yourself in different situations. But there are things that you sort of know that make you happy. Um, like music is a big one for people. Um, and yeah, like allow yourself to dance or tap your toe or... Um, whatever, and feel the music that you love. Um, and yeah, just being unapologetic, I think is the biggest thing. Not worrying what other people are going to say if you put on your favorite, you know, hot pink polka dotted top and wear it out. Like, just, just do it. That makes me laugh because um, there's just a running joke in our house that I'm always wearing pink or purple. I just have like a uniform. You know, even my son is like, mommy's always in pink and purple. He goes and tells his teacher that. And it was like, you know, relatively it is true because I've just stuck to like what works for me and makes me happy. Why bother with the rest of it? Right. Um, so it's interesting you say that. But you brought up an interesting point just now that whatever you feel like you could just keep doing forever would continue making you happy. That is joy. Do people in your perspective ever go like joy blind, like something that used to bring them joy just doesn't click anymore. Is it a state where you do need to remain in touch with yourself to see how you're experiencing it? Or is it just something that is probably really, really intrinsic and just what brought you joy as a kid is probably still what's bringing you joy you know, when you're 30, 40, 50 onwards? Yeah. Um, I haven't ever experienced anyone um, who goes, as you said, joy blind. That's a great word. Um, yeah. If, if it inherit, unless like I, I imagine in a, in a situation where, you know, there's, there's been, there's been a trauma and somehow, you know, that ends up blocking whatever activity it was and now you have a bad association with it that develops later in life that could I suppose happen um but generally speaking what brings you joy continues to bring you joy um and if it doesn't if it fades over time then there's there's more to it there's something else going on that's a great perspective. So as we wrap this up, any message that you can give to our audience about tapping into their joy, experiencing it, not suppressing it, what would be kind of your biggest token of advice to people as an intuitive healer that's focused on joy? Um, the biggest thing I would say is to you know, do one thing every day that brings you joy. And it doesn't matter how, how big or how small that is. Um, like I said, if it's wearing your, your favorite shirt or if it's playing the piano for five minutes or if it's dancing around your kitchen, if it's painting, you know, um, the, 
whatever. Like I'm just looking up here. I have a, a string of fairy lights that are shaped like dragonflies in my office because uh, dragonflies. Um, <laughs> but I, I forget to plug them in a lot. And this morning I remembered to plug them in and they are making me so ridiculously happy as we're doing this interview because every time I look up, I see them up there. So it can be like the silliest little thing, but just, just do it and make the time because it's important. And even if it's a small thing like that, you're like, oh, you know, it's one little thing. It's going to take me 30 seconds. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Joy matters. It absolutely does. And, you know, because no one can actually see the video of this, I will say, you look really happy. Like, you've been <laughs> smiling throughout the interview and just look very content and bright and glowing. So I would take Janet's advice if I were you and you're listening to this. So I'm going to ask my last two favorite Yeah, I'm going to ask my last two favorite questions. First, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Which one brings you joy? Chocolate chip mint. Hands down. <laughs> Interesting. That's a good one. And where can people find you? You mentioned dragonflies. So where can people find you? Um, so my business name, uh, which hasn't changed over all of this time, is still called Blue Dragonfly. Energy Wellness Center with an RE because I'm in Canada. Um, I'm on, so my website, Blue Dragonfly Energy Wellness Center.com. Uh, Facebook is Blue Dragonfly, I think it's the whole thing, Blue Dragonfly Energy Wellness Center. Um, Instagram is Blue Dragonfly Wellness. Um, yeah, that's. And those will all be in the show notes, so easy to click over. And if you are, you know, maxing out on focusing on your pain and are not really in touch with and it's your person focusing in, in touch with. Thank you so much for this, Janet. This has been really enlightening um, and a great discussion to have. Yes, thank you. It's been a joy talking to you. I want to say a big thank you for listening in. Without your support, there wouldn't be a podcast. If you've gained insight or inspiration from this podcast, please subscribe for regular updates and please share this podcast with someone you know who will benefit. Do you have a story to share about your own soulpreneur lifestyle that you set up? Have a life or business problem you'd love a system for? or want to be an anonymous caller for one of our live segments, then go to your Anchor app or the Anchor website, find this show, and click on Message and record your story or question. You can also find the show notes on our website at flowation.com backslash T-S-L-P. That's F-L-O-W-A-T-I-O-N dot com backslash T-S-L-P and subscribe to the TSLP Insider to get a look behind the scenes of what it takes to bring this podcast to life. And 
get some exclusive offers that are only available to our email subscribers. Also, don't forget to follow at Flowation on Instagram to get updates about this podcast. Mm-hmm.